Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Thomas V. Brogan, MD, about the article, Variability in Antibiotic Use Across PICUs, published in the June 2018 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Brogan is a professor of pediatrics in the Division of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine at Seattle Children's Hospital and the University of Washington School of Medicine in Seattle, Washington. Before we begin, do you have any disclosures to share, Dr. Brogan? I have no disclosures. So, Tom, would you please start by giving us some background on what led you to do this study? Yes. Um, The use of antibiotics is obviously very important for a number of reasons, and there are actually very few data available on the use of antibiotics in children who are admitted to the intensive care units. And the reason why this is important is because we have learned over the years of the influence of overuse of antibiotics resulting in antibiotic resistance, changes to microbiome, influence on outcome of patients. And so we wondered if we could look into this more deeply. Uh, Additionally, since uh, antibiotic stewardship programs are becoming more prominent and having a, a greater influence on the use of antibiotics in hospitals, we thought having more robust data would help such stewardship programs. We know from prior studies that about 60 to 80 percent of children admitted to pediatric intensive care units have or received some antibiotics during their stay there, and about a third of the antibiotics are considered broad-spectrum agents. So we wanted to see if we could look at antibiotic use in pediatric ICUs in general, and most specifically to look at the variability across pediatric ICUs to see if there is some overuse or inappropriate use that we might be able to address in the future. So how did you go about addressing that question? So we did a cross-sectional study of the Pediatric Healthcare Information System, which is also called FIS, uh, and it contains clinical and billing data from 48 tertiary care children's hospitals at the time of the study. And we looked at a five-year period from 2010 through 2014, and we evaluated antibiotic use in children who were 30 days to 18 years of age. Uh, We excluded children who were in the NICU, and we stratified use according to whether children were in the pediatric ICU or non-ICU children, so all children who were inpatient at the time but who were not in the NICU. And the reason why we did that is to look at both the variability among use in pediatric ICUs, but also to compare the use in pediatric ICUs to patients who are not in the ICU to see if there's a difference in the rate of antibiotic usage among those two populations. So what did you find? Well, the, uh, and just to be a little bit more detailed, because we, we looked at uh, antibiotics use across hospitals, we thought that we would look at that in general, but also because there's probably a fair amount of difference in institutions between case mix and maybe severity of illness, we looked at um, broad, uh, um, all antibiotics, we looked at broad-spectrum antibiotics, and then we looked at anti-methicillin-resistant staph aureus agents. Uh, and so for the broad-spectrum antibiotics, we included the carbapenems, fluoroquinolones, cefepime, perpacillin, tazobactam, and uh, broad-spectrum beta-lactam agents like ticarcillin clavulanate and septazidine. And for the anti-MRSA agents, we, used Van- we looked at Vanco, 
myosin IV, clindamycin, daptomycin, linazolid, and tadazolid, minocycline, uh, trimethoprim sulfa, and tigecycline, and quinoprostin, talfopristin. And additionally, be, again, because the populations may differ across hospitals, we looked at uh, all patients who were in the ICU, and then we looked at the patients in the top 20 uh, APR DRGs to, to try to limit the scope to see if we could hone down on a, on a smaller group of patients that might be more consistent across units. But then we realized that there still was a, a difference because among those 20 APR DRGs, there were some institutions that didn't have some of those diagnoses. So we, we also did an analysis of antibiotic use among the seven APR DRGs that were shared among all of the hospitals that were included in the study. So ultimately, we had 41 institutions that were included uh, because they had continuously provided data during the study period from 2010 to 2014. And you looked at children in the PICU, uh, but also in non-ICU settings. So um, did you, some of the kids that were in the non-ICU setting may have had antibiotics started in the PICU and then continued when they went out. How did you treat those patients? That's exactly right. So a patient who was in the ICU was considered to have an ICU antibiotic while they were in the ICU. If those antibiotics were continuing when the patient was transferred to the floor or vice versa, the, once they were out of the ICU, they were considered a non-ICU patient. So the, a, the same patient could be considered in two populations, but only the antibiotics they received in the ICU were considered I, PICU antibiotics. And you had p- floor patients who, had, who never went to the ICU as well? Did you include their... That's in- correct. So for the study of the uh, during that five-year period, we had a total of basically 3.1 uh, million in, uh, discharges, and of those, about 385,000 were PICU patients. So that was about 12.5% of hospitalized patients in these institutions. So how did the antibiotic use sort out for the PICU and the non-PICU patients? So the PICU patients, about 70% of PICU patients in this study received at least one day of antibiotics. And the overall usage was higher in PICU patients than in non-PICU. So when we looked at the adjusted use of systemic antibiotics among PICU patients, what we did was we looked at days of therapy per 1,000 patient days, and this has been used in other studies, and that's why we use that metric. So there were about 1,043 days of therapy per 1,000 patient days among PICU patients, and that compared with just under 900, so 893 days of therapy per 1,000 patient days among non-ICU patients. And then we, we, when we looked at broad-spectrum agents, again, for PICU patients, they received 176 days of therapy per 1,000 patient days, so, so much less than the total antibiotic usage. But again, that was greater uh, about 10% or so more than the non-ICU patients, which was 153 days of therapy for 1,000 patient days. And then finally, when we looked at the anti-methicillin-resistant um, staph aureus agents, so the M- anti-MRSA agents, PICU patients received 302 days of therapy for 1,000 patient days, while non-ICU patients received 244. So that was almost... Um, 15 or 20% more than the non-ICU patients. Did the use of antibiotics change over time? 
Yes. Yeah, so, so during the study period from 2010 to 2014, the use of antibiotics declined in PICU patients approximately 10%. And this was also true for non-ICU patients as well. And when we looked at specific agents, so broad-spectrum agents and anti-MRSA agents, we found the same thing. There was there was a decline of 10% or slightly more in in all of the agents over that time period. And it and all agents in the ICU and on the pediatric floor. How did antibiotic use vary across institutions? So when we looked at antibiotic use across institutions, so for the 41 PICUs that were included in the study, there was a significant difference in use. So the the units with high use used about twice as much antibiotics so days of therapy for 1,000 patient days compared to the low users. When we looked at broad spectrum, only at broad spectrum agents, there was almost a threefold difference. And then when we looked at anti-MRSA agents, again, it was even higher still, the difference between the, the high users and the low users. And we found, we found that this variability among institutions held true for non-ICU patients as well. How about for the specific uh, DRGs that you looked at? So again, when we when we we picked out the top twenty uh, APR DRG categories that were that used the most antibiotics, and again the the variability was approximately the same. So not surprisingly, in this group, the there was a higher use of antibiotics since we we selected that. So we selected that this group out for that reason, there was 1,230 days in the top 20 APR DRGs, which is about 20% more than the 1,040 among all antibiotic use in PICU patients. And this was higher than we found on the floor, but there was the variability persisted with the high users using more than double what the low users used. And this held true for broad-spectrum agents and anti-MRSA agents as well. And again, it also held true among non-ICU pediatric patients. Did the antibiotic use in the, in the institutions with higher use decrease over time, or was that, you know, decrease over time across all institutions? That the, when we looked at it, we looked across all institutions, so we didn't... You we didn't, didn't separate um, it out. Right. We didn't stratify by high and low users when we looked at the total antibiotic use. Why do you think there's such variability in antibiotic use across the different institutions? Well, that's a really good question, um, uh, and some of this would be speculation, but uh, I think that almost certainly there is some difference institution to institution because of case mix variability and uh, severity of illness. So unfortunately, FIS, while it's a, a very useful tool, does not provide measures of severity of illness such as PIM or PRISM scores. So we honed down on the APR DRGs to try to control for differences in case mix and severity, but I, I'm sure we were not able to do that completely. So I, I suspect some of it has to do with severity of illness, and some of it probably also has to do with regional differences in antibiotic resistances. So we know that there's differences across the country in, in different areas. But when we looked at the use of antibiotics, we, we actually tried to correlate the use of 
antibiotics in the ICU with non-ICU patients. And there was a correlation between all systemic antibiotic uses between PICU and non-ICU patients. And this became stronger for broad spectrum and stronger still for anti-MRSA agents. So that suggests, I believe, that some of this is also cultural and experience and institutional experience. And I I think one of the important findings of this study is that that suggests that we might be able to work at that level to try to get get people to, to examine their antibiotic use a little bit more carefully and hopefully try to limit inappropriate antibiotic usage. Yeah, it's interesting that almost all of these institutions had antibiotic stewardship programs, which would appear to have different levels of, I, I don't know whether it's effectiveness or whether it's different, as you said, cultural approach. Yeah, approximately 90% of the, the program, so 37 of the 41 units had um, antibiotic stewardship programs. Now, I suspect that there's probably a, a fair amount of variability in some of the recent studies looking at antibiotic stewardship programs do suggest that there are different levels of activity. Mm -hmm. But I also think that probably some of it relates to if we, you know, one of the, one of the things about this study is that we, we didn't specifically look at individual diagnoses or individual APRDRGs. There are some studies in the past. Jeff Gerber uh, at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia has a study out uh, several years ago looking at four different diagnoses and found fairly robust variability in usage of antibiotics for those diagnoses. So I think that, you know, if we can start getting more data in each institution, we can evaluate our practices a little bit more more rigorously and then uh, and then follow uh, you know follow guidelines and 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 also create guidelines because there are many diagnoses for which there are no guidelines right seven to ten days of antibiotics for a lot of things is right and uh, and that's another thing because we d- we didn't evaluate duration of therapy right and, and you know the data on duration of therapy are, are very scant uh-huh. there is one study from London of uh, using five days of antibiotics for sepsis, but unfortunately, it's a retrospective study, and how they, only 70% of the patients got five days of antibiotics, but they don't describe very carefully who met the criteria and who did not meet the criteria. So I, I think we have a lot to learn, but I do think that duration of therapy is one area where we can probably make some some speedy headway. Do the um, 41 institutions that were included in this study, do they have the ability to get feedback on where they are um, compared to their peers in terms of high users and low users? You know, uh, we didn't look at the in- institutions individually from the standpoint of saying, you know, this is Children's Hospital of the North Where? Pole and, uh, <laughs> compared to Children's Hospital of the South Pole. But you know, I think I think Fizz will provide data to the contributing institutions if they ask for it. But but again, I I think there there's some danger in comparing yourself to a group of institutions when you're not exactly sure right. what the comparison is. So right. I I think it's more important to look at at your own house and think about areas where you can make progress. Right, right. Rather than comparing yourself to somebody else. Right. What are the limitations of your study? So the, there are a 
number of limitations, some of which I've discussed already. Obviously, right. this is a retrospective study of a large administrative database. And so, you know, I, I think it's fairly well, um, the data are entered fairly carefully and they have been vetted before, but it's still a retrospective look at these patients. The, the other thing which I think is very important, which goes back to comparing yourself to other institutions, is we didn't have a measure of disease severity. So there may be some of the variability that's due to that disease severity that we were unable to assess. And I think you made the point that, you know, the data that we have on appropriate duration of antibiotics is very scanty. Right. And similarly, and to that point as well, we couldn't tell was this child receiving these antibiotics as a prophylactic dose or were they receiving antibiotics uh, as a treatment dose. And that, to go back to your question about what we can do, I think, you know, the data on prophylaxis, or at least the recommendations are pretty strong about the duration. And probably, I suspect we could be better about limiting the duration of prophylactic antibiotics. Um, finally, you know, FIS doesn't allow us to look at hospital-level factors. So, for instance, uh, in institutions that have a certain mix of physicians, they might they might have a different approach to antibiotic therapy. So if there's a lot of uh, hospitals in one hospital, whereas there are people coming from the outside in another hospital, there may be a difference there. There may be a difference in, in physician experience and, you know, how long they've been at this, which may make them behave in one fashion or another. And we, we really couldn't look at that. Right. Uh, and then, although we knew how many institutions had a uh, stewardship program, we didn't exactly know what the level of input was from the stewardship programs. So what do you think um, the implications are of your study for our clinical care? How can we improve the use of antibiotics? And I suppose to be a little bit devil's advocate, some institutions are high users and some institutions are low users, and we're assuming that the high users are using inappropriate antibiotics, but maybe some of the low users are not using them enough. Well, your point is, is exactly correct. We, do, we don't know what – there's probably some – you know, this level of variability suggests that there's some inappropriate usage. There may also be some inappropriate lack of usage. Uh, I I think that would probably come out in outcome data, but I, mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that. The other thing is we know, you know, from studies going back to 2007 when Kumar published that beautiful paper about the time to antibiotic therapy in the septic patient, it's very important to treat them appropriately and rapidly. So I, I would not want somebody to go away from reading this paper thinking, well, I better not treat people because I'm going to be giving them too many antibiotics. We know that infections kill and and cause a lot of trouble. So I think one thing would be that hopefully this will spur institutions to collect more robust and detailed data, uh, which would help, I think, both the physicians and the stewardship programs to make logical recommendations. And then again, you know, now they're you know, laboratory uh, indicators of infection and inflammation are not very specific or sensitive. So, but, you know, we're, we're learning more about things as well, uh, things that influence are influenced by infection. And also our culture practices are better than they used to be. So we're getting better data, and hopefully we can employ all of those data to help us 
be more appropriate in antibiotic use. But again, the paper, this study, our study, does not tell us exactly what we're doing right or what we may not be doing right. Uh, but it, I think it informs us that we need to evaluate what we're doing more carefully. I think you're exactly right. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Uh, no, I I really appreciate the chance to talk about our paper, and I'd like to also thank uh, my collaborators because we had a, a great group of team from a number of institutions across the country and also um, the people at FIS who, who helped with the data acquisition and um, analysis. Well, you certainly have given us food for thought, and hopefully we'll get more data on appropriateness of use and how we're using them individually and across the field. Yes, I hope so. We have been talking today with Dr. Thomas Brogan from Seattle Children's Hospital about the article, Variability in Antibiotic Use Across PICUs, published in the June 2018 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care podcast. Please check out our website at www.sccm.org slash iCriticalCare for more information. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Speak with a customer service representative or visit www.sccm.org slash membership for more information. Margaret Parker, MD, MCCM. Dr. Margaret Parker is Professor of Pediatrics at Stony Brook University in New York and is the Director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook Children's Hospital. A former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, Dr. Parker is involved in quality improvement and standardization of care in the pediatric ICU, as well as resident education. Her clinical interests include sepsis and septic shock in children. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.